everyone, and thank you very much for joining us today. This is the fourth episode of our Herbert Smith Freehills Asian Competition Law podcast series, Unbundling Competition, and the fourth of our episodes in recent competition law developments in Southeast Asia. My name is Adelaide Luke, and I'm a partner based in Hong Kong, leading the Herbert Smith Freehills Competition Regulation and Trade Team here in Asia. Joining me today is Justin Giz, who is a, also a competition law specialist from Fraser's Law Company, and he's based in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. In today's episode, Justin and I will take a quick look at the many developments that have been happening in Vietnam over the past 18 months or so. So as we've discussed in previous episodes of this series, we've seen a significant increase in the number of competition laws and the level of enforcement in the Southeast Asian region over the past five years or so. And this has included countries that ha already had competition laws in place, which for one reason or another may have been under-enforced. In our first episode, we talked about the competition law regime in Thailand and how the Thai government has introduced a more robust new law and established a better resourced and more independent competition authority to enforce it. Now, Vietnam is another country that has had a competition law on the books for almost two decades, but has similarly recently implemented a new law and created a new competition enforcement agency. Justin, I wonder whether you could provide us with an update on these developments. Sure, Adelaide. Um, as you mentioned and as you discussed previously, like Thailand, Indonesia and Singapore, Vietnam was one of the first wave of countries in Southeast Asia that introduced competition laws after the Asian financial crisis. However, for various reasons, the law in Vietnam wasn't well enforced. There were two competition authorities that had to agree on enforcement. The main authority was under the Ministry of Industry and Trade, which oversees economic planning and Vietnam's industrial policy. And the competition authority didn't have a lot of independence to go against those policies. In addition, although there was a merger control regime, the thresholds were based on quite high market shares. And so many companies either simply didn't meet the threshold or the economic data was too opaque to know one way or the other. So as a result, there were only 10 enforcement decisions and maybe around 20 merger cases during the first 15 years that the old law was in effect. The new competition law was enacted in 2018 and it came into force on 1 July 2019. It aims at facilitating greater enforcement. So for example, the two old authorities are being merged into a new National Competition Commission, which will be responsible for both investigation and adjudication of cases. It will sit directly below the central government rather than the Ministry of Industry and Trade. Some of the details under the law are still left to be filled out by implementing decrees or other subordinate clarifying legislation. The government passed the key decree in May this year, which sets out a number of key provisions, including how the Commission will assess the anti-competitive effects of certain types of conduct, how the Commission will assess dominance for the purposes of abuse of dominance, the definition of 
control for merger control purposes and the new thresholds for merger control notification. Thanks, Justin. And does the new law differ from the old law substantively? Yes, it does. The, the new law moves away from the more prescriptive approach of the old law, which simply listed prohibited anti-competitive conduct to a more effects-based approach that broadly prohibits activities that could prevent, reduce, or distort competition in the market. Some so-called hardcore contact will be per se illegal, like it is in many other competition regimes, conduct such as price fixing, market sharing, bid rigging, and so forth. Previously, parties needed to have a market share of 30% or more for many of these types of conduct to be illegal, but this requirement has now been done away with. For other types of conduct, I mentioned that the May decree sets out how the Commission will assess the effects of anti-competitive conduct. It sets out factors like the market share of the parties to an agreement. There is a safe harbour, quite low, only 5% in some cases, as well as market characteristics like barriers to entry, and also some abuse of dominance-related factors like the concept of essential infrastructure. Dominance itself is set at quite a low threshold. The new law sets a rebuttable presumption that a company with a 30% market share or a group of companies with a collective market share of 50% or more is dominant. A company can also be deemed to be dominant where it is below this threshold but has substantial market power. And what constitutes sub substantial market power is also now supplemented by the decree. Now, it's worth noting that the new Commission has not commenced operations as yet and remains in its bureaucratic establishment phase. There hasn't been any actual enforcement under the new law, although there have been some merger cases. So what the practical impact of all these changes will have remains to be seen. But it's worth noting that the investigation into GRAB, which was one of the parallel investigations by Southeast Asian regulators as a, and as a regional co cooperation you spoke about in the Singapore episode, was brought under the old law. So clearly we, we, we are already beginning to see a more active enforcement environment in Vietnam even before the new law came into force. Mm. And Speaking about merger control, um, you mentioned the May decree um, speaks a little bit more about the concept of control and the new thresholds. Could you walk us through those? What are the changes there? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, the May decree introduced a set of more comprehensive notification thresholds which replaced the old thresholds that were based purely on market share. Now, a merger control filing will be required if any one or more of three thresholds are met. First, there is still a market share threshold, but it is lower as compared with the old law. So, parties will need to file if their share in the relevant market is 20% or more. And the relevant market means the market affected by the transaction. There was some ambiguity about this under the old thresholds. What's not clear is whether or not there needs to be an overlap between the parties. In, in other words, 
if a purchaser is acquiring control over a target that has a market share of more than 20%, but the purchaser itself is not active in that market in Vietnam, will a filing still be required? This was a vexed question under the old law, which unfortunately remains vexed under the new law to date. Secondly, there's a turnover or asset value-based threshold, as with many other jurisdictions. Um, this is met where the total assets or revenue in Vietnam of any party to a transaction is above 3,000 billion Vietnamese dong, which is equivalent to about 130 million US dollars. It appears that this threshold can be met by any one party alone, and if that's right, this new threshold will capture a lot of small deals, including offshore transactions. We're waiting to see how the new commission avoids being deluged with filings. It's worth noting that the new law is stated as regulating, amongst other things, economic concentration transactions which will or may potentially have a competition restraining effect on Vietnam's market. This concept may assist in preventing a deluge of filings if the Commission accepts or clarifying legislation confirms that parties are within their rights to determine that no notification is required for transactions which are incapable of giving rise to any competition restraining impact on Vietnam's market. Lastly, there's a, a, a transaction value-based threshold which is met if the value of the transaction is 1,000 billion Vietnamese dong or higher, which is approximately 43 million US dollars. However, this threshold doesn't apply in the case of offshore transactions. These are the thresholds that apply in most transactions, but there are also special rules and different notification thresholds that apply to transactions involving a credit institution, an insurer, or a securities companies, or a securities company, rather. Um, these thresholds are, in fact, already in effect, even though the National Competition Commission has not yet commenced operations. Notifications instead have to be filed with the Ministry of Industry and Trade before the NCC comes into full operation, and we understand that several large domestic transactions have already been notified. In terms of what sorts of transactions need to be notified, the new law states acquiring the whole or part of the property or shares of another enterprise sufficient to control or dominate all or one of the trades of the target, meaning that a filing will be needed for changes of control, as is the case in the EU, China, and many other merger control regimes. The decree also clarifies that control means the acquisition of more than 50% of the charter capital or total voting rights of the target, or ownership or right to use more than 50% of the target's assets, but also qualitative control as in the EU. Um, in other words, the right to appoint a majority of the board of directors or to make strategic business decisions. Thank you, Justin. Um, some really significant changes uh, in Vietnam happening. It, it sounds like companies are going to need to be more mindful of Vietnamese competition law in future. And some of those merger control thresholds do seem significantly lower. But as you mentioned, because the new authority hasn't been set up yet, we will certainly need to wait for the decisions coming out under the new regime to see how the regulator interprets and enforces the new law in practice.
and we'll certainly be watching the approach to offshore transactions particularly closely. Well, that concludes our discussion for today, and thank you very much, Justin, for joining us. Um, to our listeners, please do get in touch if you have any questions. We'd love to discuss them further with you, uh, and we can respond to any queries by email as soon as possible. Thank you again for listening today, and we look forward to having you join us for another episode soon.